Welcome to the Mel Hummer Podcast, episode 84. I'm Mel, I'm here. I'm Mel, I'm not Mel. I'm Mel, I'm here with Earl and Al. This is confusing. I'm I Mel. I fucked it. You're Mel. I fucked this it. This is Al. I'm Mel, you're Al, you're Al. The people that are listening can't see me pointing to you as I say that, so whatever. You know who we are. Uh, loads going on this week in the world of heavy metal and all that. Um, we had our uh, future conference this week, which was quite cool. So Future's the company that we work for, we should probably say. Yes, yeah, so fu- uh, basically Future is the company we work for, one of the biggest media brands in the world and all that business. They've got about, um, I actually tried to count it earlier, I think it's about 132 different brands <laughs> under <laughs> their wings. <laughs> um, they've got them all listed on the website. It was easy. Uh, I can do maths. Um, so yeah, and at the end of the conference, they always have that annual awards and we were really honoured to uh, win the Magazine of the Year Awards, which is fucking awesome. So... Um, as I say, there's a lot of different magazines under the Future Stable, some really awesome magazines as well. Uh, some very, very big ones out there, it has to be said, some more kind of mainstream um, centered magazines under the Future brand. And so for a magazine like Metal Hammer to, to win Mag of the Year means a hell of a lot. And uh, obviously, this is all coming only a couple of years or so after uh, Metal Hammer very nearly didn't exist at all. So just wanted to take the chance to thank everybody for supporting us over the not just the last few years but over all the years we've been around um yeah we were delighted to win and we really appreciate it so good times everybody good times yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun <laughs> you sure made it sound it no. <laughs> I, how did that not sound sincere it was it was really nice like merlin you just said that the fact that there's so many different brands and they chose to you know, go for Metal Hammer and it's cool. It is, it's wicked. It's been a... Well, we got to talk about metal to a lot of people who didn't know what it was. We did. I should say massive shout out to Elle actually because, um, again, because uh, we've done a lot of exciting stuff this year. Uh, Future asked us to do some presentations and things like that in front of what was a very big hall of about 700 people. Um, and Elle did a big thing on um, one of our pieces we did on Ramstein Online this year where we got a professor from uh, Oxford to basically explain the uh, Deutschland video. Um, and Elle managed to get a big segment of the Deutschland video played across a conference <laughs> with a bunch of very bemused uh, people, which was great. <laughs> Sorry, cheers for doing that. You are welcome. It's always good to b- spread the metal gospel. It was cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very, very cool week. And uh, yeah, testament to what's been a great year at Metal Hammer. And we're only just getting fucking started. So stick around, ladies and gentlemen. On that note, <laughs> um, you do only have uh, one more week to buy our baby metal issue in the shops in the UK. Um, it is a world exclusive interview with the band and their very cool and interesting manager Cobra Metal um, about the next chapter, the new album, the lineup changes, all the stuff you wanted to know. Um, and we've got like literally, I think, a couple of bundles left online as well. Uh, those come with the extra exclusive uh, hand numbered uh, art prints, which is very, very cool and sparkly and lovely. So go to tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer to pick up that bundle and um as i said you've only got about a week more to buy the baby metal issue in uk shops so there we've been really fucking busy since the last podcast yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. we've been all over the place like all of us did different gigs what have you been to uh i yeah. actually can't remember what you've i'll been go doing. first um oh that reminds me i've got my notes yes <laughs> i took notes because i knew i was gonna be talking about it you got prepared i know i got i did proper journalism and everything uh yeah so last week i went to see volbeat 
uh, at the uh, Brixton Academy. Very, very, very sold out Brixton Academy, I should say. It was fucking packed in there. I watched some of um, the gig from upstairs on the balcony, watched some of it from uh, downstairs as well, and it was very hard to get in either area whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. Now, I don't know what you guys think of Volbeat. Well, I kind of know what Elle thinks. We talked about it a little bit. Um, I wouldn't call myself the biggest fan in the world. I've seen yeah. them at festivals. I've never seen them at their own gig. They're one of those bands where I feel like when someone writes down the, the ingredients, I'm like, this looks great. It makes sense to me. But I've never quite clicked with them as much. Um, but they have some great support bands, which I'll get to in a minute. So I thought I'd go along and have a good old uh, nosy around anyway. Um, and I first, thought, the weird thing sorry, is though, on. before I started working here, I thought you were a big fan because I'm sure a few years back there was a very big kind of drive from the Hammer direction of like, we all love Volbeat, which obviously some people here do love Volbeat, but I specifically thought that it was like a big thing that you were in love with. So nope. I was quite surprised. No, I mean, Metal Hammer, we are very, uh, you know, as a, I guess, as a brand but you know as a as a as a group and as a, you know across all the different people that write for hammer and um in terms of what volby represent we're well behind them i think it's always great when you get genuine honest um metal and rock bands doing well and uh, they've done amazingly you know they've they've uh, just taught their asses off kind of risen up through the ranks of the scene and now they're, they're one of the biggest european hard rock heavy metal bands um of the 21st century like it's just that's just facts that's what they are um, so that's great and I think it's they're doing great things and it's great they're around but I've just yeah I've never like never clicked with them in quite the right way on record um, but I went to see him and I got there just as uh, Danko Jones was finishing off um, their second I don't know second to last song I think uh, so if you haven't heard of Danko Jones just a really kick-ass rock and roll band exactly the kind of band that you can see Volbeat fans really getting into um, and yeah people seem to be really into it but, like I find it hard to believe anyone could watch a Danko Jones set and not think they are just tops and that is pretty much what Brixton seemed to think of them so that went down really well um, I should say as well literally one of the most varied crowds I've ever seen at a rock show it was like everyone from proper diehard metal heads in like battle jackets to uh, like rockabilly people who had obviously spent ages jetting their quiffs up oh, yeah, to like yeah. Um, you know, all ages, all types of fans, people that are, you know, not to be snobby, but I got the sense didn't go to very many rock gigs and people that are obviously more hardened regulars. Um, they're all in there. So Volby are obviously appealing to a massive spread of people, which is always a really good thing to see, I think. Um, and I was very interested to see how Baroness would do because unlike Danko Jones, who are more just kind of like, we're a rock and roll band, we play rock and roll. If you're a Volby fan, that's probably what you're here for. You'll really like it. Baroness are a much more kind of layered and um, nuanced and um, just kind of, uh, no pun intended because of the colour albums, but there's a lot of different shades to that band. Um, and I kind of feel like people took a little bit of time to click in with them at first. And mm. um, they played, they, they, they've been doing what they've been doing for the last few years. So like the, the lights were colour coded to the songs off the albums and, um, you know, they were... Sometimes Baroness can be maybe a little bit static, but they're already giving it some. Um, Gina, is it? Yeah, Gina. Yeah, Gina was like headbanging away and John was really like animated and kind of really giving it some as well, like really kind of... There's a lot of warmth in that band. Yeah, totally. Warmth is the exact word I'd use to describe them. And I mean, to me, I thought they were fantastic. I think they totally deserve to headline Brixton, if I'm honest. I think even though a lot of people know who Baroness are and they're very beloved in the metal scene... 
I think they should be bigger than they are. I think they should be one of the bigger bands in the world at the moment because they're just so fucking relentlessly good. Um, and they went down well, but I would say they're definitely not as instantly accessible or as easy to kind of get yeah. as Danko Jones are. So even though I think Baroness are wonderful and were great, I'm I'm not certain that they would have won over significantly more fans than Danko Jones would have just from being Danko Jones playing rock and roll. Yeah. And that's not a disservice to Danko Jones because they do it really well. It's just the genre, but, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, that's what totally. Those fans were there for. Yeah, exactly. I think if you're into Volbeat, you're in there for a good time and, um, you know, big riffs, big grooves, catchy songs. And Baroness has a lot of that, but it's a bit more, like I said, it's a bit more layered and mm-hmm. a lot of the times a bit more melancholic and it's just a slightly different pace. And I'm not sure, um, you know, they didn't go down badly, but I'm not sure it quite clicked with people in. Uh, the most obvious way but they certainly got like you know lots of rounds of applause and people seem to appreciate what they were doing anyway which is good um so yeah volbeat came on they had a really really good light show uh, they had this cool like raised platform which had a screen like across it so that was quite a cool way of doing it things That's a bit differently what like a platform with a, i see what you mean like yeah, almost so like, like the, sto- the, the stage was like two stories yeah, almost yeah and then the screen was across the kind the of, uh, of yeah like the vertical yeah. bit of it um, a horizontal bit of it no because it was going well yeah i guess yeah but i was thinking of it like a dimension yeah anyway you know what i mean like the front of that platform yeah. as you look at it not so it was the like top. a line across yeah exactly yeah, yeah. horizontal line totally um <laughs> <laughs> i do journalism um, but yeah it was uh yeah, so this it was it was a good, it was a pretty cool stage show. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was just enough to look a little bit flashy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and oh man, the first thing I thought was that people just absolutely love this band. People mm-hmm. were just singing their absolute asses off from mm-hmm. the second they came on, and you could you could tell some of the songs were bigger than other songs and all the rest of it, which is fine. Um, but the, but like every song seemed to get a really good reaction. People just dancing their asses off as well, like really like like boogieing i don't even know how else to yeah, say but that's it that's literally like what they do like volbeat are like the boogie band aren't they totally totally what's the thing in lex boogie steal steal the, steal deal the deal in lex boogie, boogie. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um and I'm, you know like i said i've seen them at festivals before so i'm used to seeing them in front of people that you know festival crowds are perfect for them they just want to have a good time but yeah. seeing them in front of a home crowd as it were like they would people just create like they were so passionate for it they really were like sit like like just stopping short of emotionally singing along to some of the big lines yeah. in it sometimes. Um, so that was really cool. It was an amazing atmosphere in there. Um, m- interestingly, Michael uh, Paulson, the singer, uh, kept on saying that his voice wasn't great and he needed some help. I thought he sounded all right. I didn't really notice any problems with it, but I did see that Volbeat had to pull one of their dates this mm. week. So it's obviously caught up with him, which yeah. is a shame. But I thought he sounded um, all right. Um, and then... Almost kind of confirming what I was saying about Danko Jones being more on brand with Volbeat. Danko, uh, so Danko Jones is the singer as well as the band, as it were. Um, it's kind of named after him. Uh, and Danko himself came out for a track. He did Black Rose with them, um, which went down really well. And, you know, it just kind of, again, I think people would come away from that remembering Danko Jones because he's just so on the right level for Volbeat fans. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um and yeah, as I said, it was a really mixed crowd, like metalheads, old rock dads, like Geordie Shaw lad looking types, Amazing. bikers, young, old men, women, like it was just everybody. 
Um, it sort of reminds me of the Clutch audience, actually, because I saw Clutch at Brixton last year in December. And apart from the rockabillies with the quiffs, it sounds like a really sort of similar type of audience. The fact that you get a cross section of people who just want to go there to have a good time. It's literally, I mean, gigs should be about having fun anyway, but you're literally like going for a night out to just like have a dance and a yeah, sing and definitely. enjoy it. It was, it was cool. Like, and um, again, I didn't leave thinking like, they'll be the most dynamic and brilliant band in the world, but they're not supposed to be. They are there to just write fun, swinging <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll songs. And and uh, um, some things that do really come across live as well. Like there's things like you can, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a person that so clearly wears his uh, influences on his sleeve like Michael does. Like he's got the James Hetfield kind of guitar tone and swat and like mm. swagger. He's got the kind of, Johnny Cash kind of outlaw vibe about him. Mm. There's a tiny bit of Elvis in there as well, and some of the vocal like points and the yeah. way he like shakes his hips about and stuff. There's all these little bits that just so clearly have produced this like guy who uh, is now fronting a very successful rock band. And um, yeah, it was just a really fun, brilliant gig, which I'm sure everyone that listens to Volbeat that is listening to this is kind of going, yeah, duh. That's yeah, what okay, they do. What, exactly. I was just thinking that. I was thinking, why are you Volbeat splaining? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally Volbeat splaining. Uh, like, anyway. that's what you're doing. As someone who's not been the biggest fan, I did I did still come away with a big shitty and grin. And, um, <laughs> you know, as always, if nothing else, I'm always excited when bands do well and Volbeat are doing really well. And I'm really interested to see. They're a band where I don't know what the glass ceiling is. Yeah, because they're not exciting be- in the same way a band like, you know, Ghost is in terms of having all these weird ideas going on and this hype around them they just kind of like got their heads down toured loads put out good albums um and now they're headlining academies here and they headline massive venues in europe so i'm interested to see where they could end up in like five years from now it kind of just feels like they could just go and go yeah like, that's what know. i mean they keep like they could are we going to turn around and be like fucking hell i'll be headlining wembley in two years yeah, exactly. Do you know what i mean like, I, I don't know they could have that in them surprise me at all yeah why not why not eh so that was what i was doing what were you guys doing I went to see Cult of the Sun and Ice Nine Kills at the Islington Academy last Friday. Yes, you did. I did. So Ice Nine Kills have been around the blocks a little bit. Um, but Cult of the Sun, interesting. Do you want to explain what they're about? from the beginning? Yeah, I think so. Because so, a lot of people won't know who they are. Cult of the Sun, I should say as well. Cult is spelt with a V. Of is spelt with a V. And Sun is spelt with a V. So if you're looking for them, replace all the Fs with Vs, first of all, in the proper cult way. And U's. Oh yeah, <laughs> what, what did I say? Fs. Oh yeah. No, oh yeah, the U's and the F's. Yeah. Alphabet fail. So, Call of the Sun is basically, as I understand it, a Finnish singer-songwriter, and his it's what do you call it when it's one person project, like a Merca type thing. One man. Yeah. Band. So one. Yeah, it's like a. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always describe Merca. <laughs> She's a one man band. One woman. <laughs> But yeah, where, uh, that's basically what it is. Yeah, it's it's his project, basically, um, this guy. And he um, he has written a bunch of songs which he describes as occult murder pop. And we had a video that we watched in the office for a song called The Pit. And in it, he was wearing this really weird kind of white mask. And we were all kind of watching it going, I don't really know what this is. Like, is it meant to be some kind of joke? Is it meant to be some kind of like weird cult thing like is it referencing something we were just like we didn't really know what it was um and i kind of not knowing a lot about him slash them i kind of turned up at the gig thinking maybe he would be wearing the mask Mm. but he wasn't he had kind of a hooded cowl 
type thing over his head instead. Cowl. Um, we were trying to think of the word earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like That's it, what, what it did is. you say it was? Uh, I didn't know. I just said that thing that Sharon Donato wears. But yeah, I think it's a cowl, isn't it? Yeah. Let's go with cowl. Yeah. I mean, snood doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Pretty sure it was a cowl. And he had this really cool thing going on where he was kind of singing and wearing this cowl and sort of quite close into the microphone. And the music, although he describes it as a cult murder pop, it's basically very similar to him. It's kind of like an okay. 80s, That's sort of an 80s goth vibe crossed with pop music. And he sings a lot about Lucifer and the Morning Star. So it's kind of this, you know, satanic slant to it. And he was really good. Like, he seemed very comfortable on stage. And talking to him afterwards, he said he was in bands before that previously won Grammys. Um, I'm guessing Finnish Grammys. Well, I haven't looked it mm. up because I'm a terrible human being. Interesting. And so, you, you know, you could tell by watching him that he was really knew what he was doing, was very comfortable on stage. But the other guys in the band, there wasn't a huge atmosphere to what they were doing and i think it's probably because they are essentially hired hands right so they they weren't really moving about a lot they didn't really have any kind of um they weren't projecting any personality there wasn't a huge kind of vibe about it but um i actually really enjoyed it and it was their first ever gig as well which is crazy you could definitely tell it wasn't his like i said but as a band it was their first gig so if they're a bit static if there wasn't a lot of movement if it wasn't quite there yet uh, they did a really good job for the fact it was their first show. How did Ice Nine Kills crowd react to them? Because Ice Nine Kills, to me, from what I've seen them, I kind of feel like they've got quite a young fan base and, mm. um, you know, they've got that kind of shiny yeah, modern exactly, metal yeah. vibe. Whereas this guy, the reference points you're talking about speak to a totally different audience, to me anyway. Everyone was very respectful, actually. Um it, nobody really seems to be kind of there was a bit of talk i was at the back there was a bit of talking through some of it as you kind of get sometimes at the back of a yeah. venue um people were quite respectful towards it people seemed to be kind of the way that the performance was it kind of lends itself to i'm trying to think of the right words not a quiet focus but it's just kind of the sort of music that is quite relaxing when you listen to it slash watch it and you're sort of quite content just to watch it and be absorbed by it. And I think that was kind of what people were doing. They were quite quietly intense. Yeah. Quite content to just kind of go, this is something a bit different. What is it? It's kind of chill. It's like a bit poppy, but there's also something going on with this, the aesthetic and everyone seemed quite respectful of it and quite kind of just happy to watch it, to be honest. Um, it was cool as well. They haven't got a ton of songs they've released yet. They've got, they've got, they've had like an EP with four songs in it. But they did um, a cover of Guns N' Roses' "You Could Be Mine." Ooh. No, and it was actually good. Really, Merlin's face is like a big face. <laughs> uh, it's He's a, a kind a of goth pop version of "You Could Be Mine." Is of my favorite Guns N' Roses song is not something no, that I would want to hear good. personally. It was genuinely good because it was one of those things where they start playing and you're like, why does this sound familiar? And then you're like, oh, I already know this song. But yeah, it sounded like 80s. Um, I was into it. 
Gotta uh, say. Fair enough. But I'll yeah. reserve judgment until I can see it myself. I had a chat with him afterwards and he said that he was living in a really nice house and like doing well and he gave up basically a life of comfortableness. That's not a word. Comfort. He yeah. <laughs> a comfortable life. He sort of gave <laughs> gave up those trappings to focus on his music full time and to be an artist. So he's kind of throwing himself at this and seeing what happens, which you know, Fair have enough. Respect for that, really. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I also happen to know uh, just briefly that uh, Hammer's own Ali Cooper was at the gig as well, and may have yes. also talked to him for a little piece we might have coming up with Mister Sun uh, in the coming weeks. So, yes. watch out for a future issue of Metal Hammer for that. Yeah, we had a little chat about that. He said he was into Hammer, and that was really nice, and that he'd enjoyed the chats. So I'm sure that will be good. Um, and yeah, I was quite. Um, into the whole thing i really want to hear some more he said he's got a few years of music already built up and stuff so um, i'm guessing he has a plan and he will enact that plan how were um ice nine kills then kind of horror like polished horror metalcore aren't they i guess yeah kind of panic at the disco bits in basically that so um, we've spoken a bit about them before they're from boston like you said they're very kind of shiny their last album was called The Silver Scream and the songs were based on different horror movies. Um, so it was, you absolutely could not fault their show. Like you could not fault it. It was a Friday night. They came on and they had their backdrop with them that looked like a cinema hoarding. What's the outside of a cinema called where it has like a board that tells you the film? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't actually it's know. One, one of the those. sign. Had the a board. Big, yeah, had a big yeah. cinema board. You know, and uh you know a couple of ego rises at the front so he kind of barreled out looking like freddy krueger and sort of got up and got the crowd whipped up and um you know they just ran through well that was the american nightmare the really really poppy kind of hit you might have heard and they just kind of ran through a bunch of songs kind of really really fast energetic he's kept switching props for different horror songs so he'd have like a chainsaw or whatever kind of went with that they had an it balloon on stage with their logo on it which was a really nice touch that's cool that was on stage before they came on actually yeah i should say before they came on they had a load of like horror music um stuff that they were playing to kind of set the scene i've got to say i really like what these guys do i'm not massively into it on a musical level but um like the, I mean. the little like, touches of horror stuff i'm just so into man. they really fault- believe in their craft it was absolutely faultless the fact that they really committed to this so you're standing there waiting for them to come on you'd have all this horror music and stuff people can recognize then just on the stage you have the you know the one red balloon just by itself and then you've got the cinema backdrop and friday night and it really did kind of feel like you were going to a show it was very theatrical it was like going to the you know the theater or the movies and you really kind of were anticipating what was going to happen it was genuinely like um a treat i'm gonna say it was like mm. a horror retreat mm. interesting yeah so that w- i w- like thought that was really really cool and yeah they came on um and again it was flawless you couldn't fault them it was so slick and so well done and so fun as well like it's not po-faced if you're running around with like a fake chainsaw or, or freddy krueger lady fingers i don't know what they're called you can't like glove i don't know you you should know what they're called it's um, just a knife glove it's not got an official name i don't think. i don't know <laughs> i feel like it should have a special name um, you know, in. yeah if you're doing that you can't be pro face about it you'll just want it you want everyone to have a good time and the they're really entertaining and the audience was really into it um it was definitely sort of that crossover point between horror and metal everyone had like lots of tattoos colored hair and it was well you know just metal audience really but it did also feel like 
a metal show where the metal audience are like the metal freaks and I say that in an affectionate way and yeah. I say that in saying that I am also a freak into metal but it's like you know if you watch Avatar or like you know in a certain time period watching Corn or you know there's a place where you go and you know that you can like express your personality mm-hmm. and it's gonna you're really gonna feel at home there and you're gonna feel like the band are on your side and you can hang out with your friends and all the rest That's of cool. it. So that was really nice. It just felt like everybody was kind of on the same page. And so I saw someone with the um, band logo tattooed on their hand as well. Someone else dressed um, like they'd come out of the crow with the oh, brand cool. and face paint. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I wouldn't say it was my kind of music because they're all fearless records. And it's kind of that, um, you could say metal, shiny metalcore or you could say like some of it's pop punk and emo. Like, you know, kind of early 2000s emo thing going on under there you know if you strip away a lot of the horror trappings you do get to kind of the more emery punky pop punky mm-hmm. um metallic hardcore occasionally slash metalcore sound so you know if you're just into like old school metal like saxon or priest or whatever it's not going to be for you um but if you like horror movies and you like kind of the more modern metalcore slash 2000s you know type nostalgic fearless records thing then you're gonna have a lovely time Fair. but like i said well, for, what, for what they do absolutely f- you could not fault it um alice you did something this week as well didn't you i went and had wine with girls oh fuck yeah i've just talked about like you know this is probably a bit pop punky for a lot of people who are listening to this you know, unless you like it horror, in which case you're full force. But girl, that's like completely the other end of the spectrum. I forgot because I've, I've literally got on the podcast notes. Alice went to question marks. Couldn't remember what it was. So yeah. can you explain exactly what this was? So um, girl, who is ex school growth black metal black legend, metal legend. Um, hosted a couple of years ago. He hosted one as well, which is the first time he hosted one. Um, a wine tasting because he's known for his love of wine he only ever drinks wine um i think preference of red wine because he's black metal and because it's like obviously (coughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um so it was all natural wines um he'd selected six he told us that um we were like oh so you know what what made you decide on these ones um and he was like well they gave me a budget as well so <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like right. the bestest best ones that he could have selected but it was within <laughs> the price range um and they were all completely natural like organic wines like raw wine in a way like not as heavily processed not with sulfates and stuff Are you a wine person this I might be important wine, yeah. okay so did you feel like you you was it good? It was like, really I would have, good. I would have yeah. no idea what I was doing if that was me. There were some really strange ones as well. There was one that was kind of like really savory and it had this like weird cheesiness to it. I, like I, I found like it was cheese. But Do you like, remember what it was called? No, I can't, I've got this sheet, but I didn't bring it in today. I've got the little card that he gave out. Oh, cool. Um, I'd taken a photo of it actually on my phone. Was it, did you have tasting notes or did you write down what you yeah, were tasting? Yeah, it like said, it said about each sort of thing that we we're trying there was like a big sheet um they weren't in the right order though as they were on the sheet which was weird um but yeah it was let me see if i can find it yeah so there's like a sheet and you get like the sheet with girls words i guess it says 
Uh, <laughs> um, natural wine with Christian Espadel. And then it's got like six different wines, three of which were red and three of which were white. Um, and then, so there was one that had a really cool bottle that had like a sort of Ouroboros sort of... <gasps> a snake. Yeah, a snake. Yeah, um, that was really cool. I think that one was my favorite one, actually. Um, and what it kind was, of flavor was it? Was it was a red one. <laughs> it was just nice and red and not too sweet. And <laughs> That's what I would say about yeah. red wine. That's, <laughs> that's, like, that's I terrible. Don't remember. No I don't like, remember. Yeah, if someone asked me to describe any red wine, I'd be like, it's nice and red. <laughs> Some of them are really vinegary though. And it was none of these. Are oh yeah, I can't be doing with that. Um, there was the cheesy white one. There was also one that was white that really tasted like cider to me. Really strangely. It sounds like cider. it's gone off. <laughs> no, it was like, it was like, a proper like proper still cider like well, apple no it was just it was like have you ever had like scrumpy yeah it's like that it was like a really strong scrumpy cider wow. except that it was um a wine so that was weird none of them had they weren't like it wasn't made with apples or anything it must have just been what it was like what barrel it was put in or whatever because one had loads of lime in it that was the one that i thought smelt cheesy should i Um, send this to my friend who's doing the masters of wine course and see what she says about the wines (laughs) yeah go on they're all completely natural nice and like local and stuff and they're they're like you could see that from their labels because they kind of had some of them had quite like i don't know what the word is but sort of like hand-drawn sort of like very kind of un and I don't want to say like unprofessional, but it's kind of like really. It was fucking amateur. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Rubbish. But like the labels were like, yeah, kind of. But that was cool because it was small yeah. amounts of the wine. And DIY, isn't it? Yeah, basically, which was really cool. So was this? So you all because it was at the Black Heart, right, in London? Yes. Yeah, so Black so Heart. people outside London, that's like a, a you know quite well known, um, I guess, metal pub really that's mm-hmm. got a, gig, a small gig venue on the top. So is this literally like a room? Full of people all sitting around while what girls on the microphone talking about wine or no, like, you're all just um, in there boozing. It was in the corner. It was in the corner in the booths. They just cornered it off, and he just was bringing out wines. Like he was serving us the wines. It was like That's he was amazing. a little, <laughs> little waiter, and he was like, "Have you had this wine? Have you had this wine?" That is quality. Um, so he was giving us the wines, and he'd just go from table to table to and just like chat about the wine. Um, and that was it, really. It was well, just like, like, what was it in aid of? Just just because he enjoys it and he wanted to like hang so out. So he was what? he was over here because I was also going to Lindy Faye Heller, who was upstairs playing upstairs. Oh uh, nice. yes, this is someone from Highlung, right? Wardruna. Wardruna. Oh yes. fuck! Oh, I got my yes. weird Antony <laughs> bands mixed up. Uh, yeah, so she's from Wardruna. So what was yeah. that like? So like, Gull was in Wardruna as well. Yes, um, of course. So he does like backing vocals on her solo album. So he was over with her. Um, she had support, which I caught the end of after the wine tasting, um, which was a sort of, I think, British lady who does kind of folky stuff in old French. Okay. Um, everyone seemed to like that. I didn't like her accent very much. Like the way that she sang, like there was nothing actually wrong. It was complete taste thing. Like I just didn't really take to her. Mm. It was kind of like, I got that she was hitting the notes and everything, but it just wasn't her, her voice just wasn't my 
cup of tea, okay. I suppose. Um, and then Lindy Faye Haller was on next and she does, well, I don't know really how to describe her solo stuff. Obviously, she's in Wardruna, which is a lot of very like Nordic folky, mm. um, historical Percussive, solely kind of yeah, stuff. Um, yeah, and she's like a phenomenal singer. She's really, 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 really high pitched, but she's like really just amazing. Like you, she doesn't, she doesn't need any production or anything on her vocals. She just hits everything perfectly. Um, she's like a little fairy or something, like a little pixie that's just like, just. I don't know, she's kind of magical. Like she's yeah. just kind of like a little pixie and she just hits everything perfectly. So she's just like, wow. Um, and yeah, I can't really describe her solo stuff. It's It's got this sort of folk elements to it um, and some of the drumming and like loads of harmonies. Um, so it's got like elements of folk, but there's also a slight sort of, uh, I don't know, more... What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> She's showing me um, what natural natural crap wine, apparently. I text a friend who knows about wine and I said, do you know any of these wines? And they said, no, it looks like natural crap, which is usually garbage. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's somebody who doesn't like natural wine. Girl's just been, wow. wine career just ended live on the Metal Hammer well, podcast. <laughs> you can tell your friend that the natural wines don't have sulfates in them, so you don't get a hangover. So, is that true? Yeah, honestly. Honestly, what? <laughs> there is wine out there you can drink that doesn't give you a hangover. Doesn't like I'm pretty good with drinking a lot of wine anyway. But the you can tell when you've had when you've had like a crappy wine and yeah. all the salt. A banging red wine hangover just, is awful. Oh, like your head is just like oh. When you can get away with drinking a lot more of that because it's just kind of well. Pure. Yeah, take that expert. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the thing with my fingers as I say that. Um, uh, so it sounds like you had a lovely promise. evening, basically, or a very a very. Civilized. unique evening yes it was very unique and i definitely recommend um doing a wine tasting with gal he's a very nice fellow. if he's if he's around your local anytime soon yeah and um i'd also recommend lindy faye heller and i check out her um solo album because it's really really cool um it's not metal but it's really cool and awesome. she's got a phenomenal voice did you go to Lingo Ignota as well? No. Oh, you didn't, didn't go to that. Okay, a few people from them that went straight from the Future Conference to Lingua Ignota. Yes. If, by the way, if you haven't checked out the Lingua Ignota album, um, oh, I'm not even going to try and describe it. Just go and listen to it because it's one of the most uh, difficult and painful and chaotic and emotionally raw albums I've probably ever heard in all the best ways. It's fucking horrible to listen to, but mm. it is amazing also. Um, and she played London this week and I heard it was pretty intense right let's look at all the news from the world of metal this week uh, shit news to start off with actually um, James Hetfield uh, has gone back to rehab uh, Metallica revealed this earlier on this week um, I think over the weekend actually they revealed it on Instagram and across their socials um, which means Metallica had to postpone their Australian tour which also it was supported by Slipknot so Slipknot have also released a statement um, saying that uh, they're going to work out what they do next um, but yeah, it goes without saying, really. Um, if nothing else, it's good to know that uh, Papa Hetz seen that um, he needs to go back and get some help again. And uh, hopefully he'll be going through that process and back on his feet and Metallica will be able to pick up where they left off very soon, I think. Just about covers it, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. it, really. Just, yeah. I think everyone's just really behind him. Everyone's really willing him 
to get the help he needs and I've seen some really heart, um, wonderful heartfelt messages from around the metal scene actually Tony Iommi put out a really nice message earlier today um, and Randy Blythe posted a really inspirational thing on, on social media actually about how influential James was in, in Randy finding his sobriety and stuff so yeah, there's Jackson a lot of support coming out there well. so I think they both said that Jamie did yeah pretty sure he said as well that um, as well as Randy that James had been helpful in him you know finding sobriety as well that's awesome so yeah there's a lot of support out there for James and we're all pulling for him so hopefully we'll see him um, out and, and back to himself very soon uh, in very exciting news I think I might let Elle take this one because she's probably the most stoked out of everybody <gasps> Devin Townsend is headlining Bloodstock. Yeah. And he's going to be playing a special one-off set featuring everything from strapping young lad material to songs from Empath. That is fucking cool. Yeah, it's really Embracing cool. the strapping young lad stuff again. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are excited about. Maybe because it's Bloodstock, so you got to bring the heavy. Yeah, you got to bring mm. the heavy. And strapping young lad, everyone has been wanting to hear those songs for a long time now because Devin's obviously gone off and done a bunch of other awesome, awesome stuff, which he wouldn't have done if he'd stayed on the strapping on that trajectory but there's so much love for those songs and they're so heavy and they're so good it's i think it's such a cool booking by bloodstock because De i mean you know devin's around a lot he, he there was a period of about five or six years where he was hugely prolific and i think it's easy to take him for granted but i think getting to see him do actual not just a headline set but a headline set at bloodstock where it feels a bit different from what from a lot of the bands you would normally assume with headline bloodstock he's a bit out there and a bit kind of um, circling around slightly different spheres musically, especially with what he's doing with the prog crowd nowadays and all the rest of it. Um, and he's, as he said, he's playing a, a special set, so it's going to feel like an event. Um, and yeah, he's just one of those, he's like, Devin Townsend is one of those kind of like the people's bands type people. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. loves him, everyone's behind him. And I just think it should be really fascinating to see what he does. He's really good at bringing shows as well. We've yeah, totally. The Retinal Circus and the four shows that he did to promote that collection of records with Devin Townsend Projects. And Key and Addicted and all those ones. Yeah, yeah. Key Addicted, um, Ghost. What was the fourth one? Help. Why? Deconstructed. Yeah, that, no. Or was that a different one? He's done so much stuff. Because he could pull stuff from, um, what was the uh, Casualties of Cool? Casualties he could pull stuff cool, from that, that as well country. if he wanted. Yeah. He's just done so much stuff and most of it has been fucking great as well. There's yeah. probably not many people in the world that have as much of a tough time picking set lists out as Devin Townsend must do. Um, so trying to pick something that's going to be bloodstock friendly is going to be awesome. And as we said, more strapping young lad stuff will make it into the set, so that's good. You made me look up the albums now because I feel so ashamed that I've forgotten. Well, it's all right. He's had a lot of ones out there, hasn't he? And you and you love <laughs> Empath, don't you, Al? That's like the bit, that's almost like his kitchen sink album in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm still picking through that. To be honest, it's just mad. Yeah, there we go. It was Ghost Deconstruction, Addicted, and Key. Nice. There were the four. Ghost. Yeah, it was deconstructed. Cool. Hooray! I was right. Uh, so yeah, Bloodstock taping up very nicely indeed. Already also confirmed. Uh, Violence, Skin Dread, Glory Hammer, Sacred Reich. Um, some of these might have been added more recently uh, Ginger um, so excited to see what they bring to Bloodstock because they are really one of the most hyped bands in the metal scene right now a lot of people are very excited about that band um, Butcher Babies as well and fucking Black Dahlia Murder and Dark Tranquility two of the best death metal bands ever so that's cool uh, Bloodstock's going to be awesome 6th to the 9th of August 2020 I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth but that's when it is it's going to be very very good uh, in exclusive news, we have an exclusive snippet from a world-exclusive new interview 
with Evanescence's Evanescence's Amy Lee and with Temptation Sharon Don Ardell together for the first and only time ever we've interviewed them both together at the exact same time Uh, and you can see an exclusive snippet from that interview over at metalhammer.com right now the two bands are of course going on tour for the first time ever next year Um, but the two singers are telling us about the first time they ever met Uh, so go on to metalhammer.com now to check out that world exclusive interview and we'll have a lot lot more from that world exclusive interview very soon Uh, it is massive and you're going to want to read it possibly when the next issue of Mount Hammer hits shelves uh, around about Thursday next week you're going to want to check that out trust me it's big big stuff so there (laughs) (laughs) Um, should we do some reader requests, Johns? Yeah. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers if you want to come and hang out with us. And you should. I was saying earlier, there's 2,700 of you on that Facebook page now. It's a lot of people to talk to and uh, get good feedback from and hang out with. So I we also, appreciate it. I also noticed that um, somebody told on me and Alice and when you're away and we were doing the podcast by ourselves oh, you're fucking around with crystals and stuff yeah, so someone told on us alice and said that we were talking about crystals <laughs> what told us told, i was outraged outraged <laughs> the fucking weird deviations you took this wonderful podcast on when i was away it for two was weeks an incredibly important thing that was linked to that i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> well it's out there now anyway um Someone want to take this question from Ben Wilmot? I will. Go on. With Big Red sadly having to shut his doors the other week, what was or is your favourite rock bar or club, including ones that have now shut down? Yeah, yeah, we did this a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, but obviously since we had that conversation, Big Red went and closed down, which sucks, by really the way, sucks. as I said before. I went along on the Friday night where they had a couple of bands on to kind of have a last couple of drinks in there, and then Merlin, you went along the Saturday night, which is the final, final night, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was there for the last night, and it was so busy but it was yeah it was a really good evening so a lot of people haven't seen for a while which is really nice um but yeah big red absolute staple of the london scene now shut down i saw a big list of venues around london and and stuff that have shut in the last 10 years and it's fucking depressing there's so many of them especially around soho and the crossrail area yeah exactly um i mean we said last time we talked about this obviously crowbar is uh probably the most famous and infamous in all the best ways uh, metal bar in london um, there's also the black heart is still live and kicking which is great uh the devonshire arms is great um, garlic and shots especially that little basement bit is great outside of london biggest fan of satan's hollow um what mine else was, is there mine was jilly's rock world in manchester uh, yeah it got turned into a tesco i literally spent like i never got to that one all my teenage years there started going there when i was underage and um They'd kind of know, but they'd let you in. And then I remember like one time I went up to get in and they wouldn't let me in because they said I was too young. So I went around the corner, borrowed my friend's ID, which was a fake one, and like put my hair up and put a cardigan on and then went back and then they just let me in. So nice. It was, no challenge 21 back then. <laughs> the good old days. Of course. Uh, yeah, I spent like years and years. It was amazing. They had um, a Friday all nighter where you could literally just go and just dance to metal all night and obviously face through different bits of music and it would go into like dance and the prodigy and hip hop and stuff. And then there was a Saturday night one, which I think was like till 2am, maybe slightly later. But yeah, we always just used to like go home after school and then go out to the Friday all nighter. And, um, I usually would like 
not make it all the way through the night but I think I might have done a couple of times and if you made it all the way through the night then you could make it through the whole all-nighter and then you could just go out <laughs> in Manchester the next day and like have some food and go around Affleck's Palace and stuff like that that is yeah like, uh, that just I sounds like it. exactly like no, my experience like going up in rock bars but just like in a different place ever. like it was literally just a second home we would just go there all the time and just hang out and just dance and like that was where i learned about metal really that's where i picked up loads of the bands that i liked and loads of songs that i liked and kind of found this community and what was going on so i was really really sad i mean i'd moved to london by the time it had closed mm um so maybe i didn't feel it as acutely but i did feel it emotionally i was just really sad about it and i've not been in the tesco's because um i don't want to so (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like now current ones uh i've been to some fun ones while i've been away i think we've mentioned before the black dog in paris that's really good yeah that's great some food that's all like yeah it's like a steak restaurant slash metal bar it's wicked you can get like desserts that are like fake eyeballs or like spaghetti dyed like blood red and stuff you can get like funny like food combinations as well yeah love Uh, that halford's in berlin is great as well where we've been that's more classic halford's is awesome love that giant giant rob halford's figure in the middle of the bar super nice staff and the guy who owns it, who loves Rob Halford and just super nice guy as well. There's a really good vibe in there. Yep. Um, um, I'm just looking at, I've been uh, casually in the in uh, on the side building, because I'm a massive geek, a Google Maps of all the metal bars I've ever been into. <laughs> the first thing I do you is need to do this and we'll put it on the website for people. Yeah, definitely. Well, do I've a been, little I've review been, of I've, each one. I got to about 40, which I thought was quite good going. Yeah, it's quite good. a lot worldwide. The first thing I do when I go to places is go to a metal bar. Not even of joking. course, not even absolutely joking. essential, absolutely essential. Um, yeah, I love. Um, again, I can't remember which ones I've said already, but uh, in the US and North America, um, I love uh, Kuma's Corner, which is like a, a metal kind of burger bar in Chicago, which is fucking awesome. Like the first time I went in there, they were playing Slayer. They were playing Nightmare Before Christmas on the uh, videos, and um, all their food is named after metal stuff which is awesome um absolutely love Fufons Electrique in uh, Montreal as well that's an amazing bar um when did I go the other month oh god the other month I went to the horror bar in Prague which is probably my favorite bar I've ever been in literally metal bar horror themed they've got um Pinhead and um uh, Leatherface and Freddy Krueger um uh, like mannequins all hung out there the whole thing stretched up really cool it is me in bar form it was that fucking awesome cool. so good yeah if you're in prague go to the horror bar it is awesome oh there's another place in paris called the pigal country club and it's like um a little sort of red gothic pub that's really small and it has like the most hideous hideous toilets um but <laughs> honestly oh, I it's almost a necessity with metal bars. like a proper them. metal girl should have minging toilets i wouldn't mention them but like flood levels and like the smoking area is before the toilets but it's an indoor smoking area it's probably illegal but you like <laughs> go out the back of the bar and then you're trapped in this like smoke hole and then you go to the toilets and it's like flooded and awful so that that bit's not good <laughs> but the actual pub is really cool it's got like i think it's got like red walls and it's got like um sort of uh like a rose on the table and it's got like some cool like like skull type things around and the bar staff there are really nice as well like it's a cool little place to just kind of hang out um awesome i will go, i will go. i didn't go to that one when i was in paris so that's oh, definitely there's a got really to be cool to my list. metal bar in hong kong as well 
they have a, a live house band and they played Corn's Thoughtless for me, which is really cool. But That's amazing. I can't remember the name of it now. I just went over and like I typed it into my phone and I was a bit drunk and I was just like, can you play this? <laughs> can you play Corn? And they were like, yeah, okay. That's quality. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> it should be a quick answer. Uh, Kigal Eva Ali uh, asks, is it possible to... <laughs> What? I tried. No, I'm laughing at the question. I've just oh. read it. <laughs> I thought you were laughing at my... Well, I thought it was quite a good pronunciation. No, I'm sorry. Go sorry, ahead. Sorry, Kiel. I've, uh, that was horrible, uh, but unintentionally. I was laughing at anyway, the question. Anyway, Kiel asks, um, is it possible to harvest <laughs> renewable energy from circle pits? It must be. <laughs> That's a really good idea. It if you get be. Devil Driver on, we're going to be fucking lighting this <laughs> planet up for the next 10 years. You don't have to like... We've solved know. climate change. Mm. Maybe no. Okay. Maybe maybe that's too soon. <laughs> maybe maybe we need a campaign pits for climate change, and at every show everyone has to wear some kind of device that harnesses the energy from people. Everyone has to wear solar energy hats yeah, while they're mushing off each other. Well, like some kind of kinetic energy. Like I was going to say, if it's solar, it's only going to work outside and. Well, you're not having circle. Oh no, of course you're having circle pits indoors. I was literally just thinking of festivals. Then no, it's got to be some kind of. Yeah, good point other energy type the energy of it, yeah you're right it's kinetic energy it's the energy of the movement oh yeah we know science we know science <laughs> i haven't done it for I 15 years <laughs> i think you could harvest renewable energy from circle pits you could definitely har um, harvest energy for movement so yeah of why course. not i've got a wind-up torch in the shape of a penguin exactly so just times that by 500 people and all over the you've world climate change i told yeah. you we're doing it it starts now <laughs> Uh, someone asked this next question. Which one? Come on, Alice. Yeah, which one? What about the next one? Oh, I'll do it. Scott Situmple <laughs> asks, <laughs> Okay. what does the future of Creeper look like? I'd like a new record. So this is obviously uh, off the back of the fact that Creeper um, are doing stuff again. Ooh. Well, I don't know what it's going to look like because they could go creepery and black and purple and do something like oh here's a story about like a missing person or something that's slightly dark or maybe they'll come back and just be completely different and they'll be like oh yeah now here's a new story a new concept or a new theme they do keep people guessing and they put a lot of time and imagination yeah. into what they're going to do next they do. Um, so they, they all they've basically done is they posted a picture uh, they're doing a gig anyway november 1st club 229 in london i've been to that have any venue no no there we go. I'm just out of touch. Um, uh, so they've posted an image with the slogan Fugitives, Fugitives of Heaven. Ooh. So something's happening on November 1st. That sounds cool, Merlin. I think I think it's going to be a My Chemical Romance-esque rebrand where they look different and it's a whole new storyline and there's yeah, loads of shit going too. on. If it's Fugitives of Heaven, that suggests Fallen Angels, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yes, it does. That's a cool... Uh, it's a fucking cool... Like, song title or whatever it is yeah so maybe there'd be like angels who are a bit like dirtied up or something don't know I, that might be a bit corny for them I don't even know. for creeper even for them <laughs> i can't see them all walking out with big battered angel wings on. i don't mean they have wings you just went with wings maybe they yeah they'll just look like but something they like have wings if they're fallen they can they could just not use the wings they could just They'd be snipped. No, you could. What if you just tucked the wings snipped. away? What if you tucked the wings away Lisa into your back? Is removed. Well, yeah. I do like the TV show Lucifer, and he does rip off his wings. 
Yeah, it's very good. Um, but yeah, really interested. I thought the Cooper album was good, and um, you know they're very much a band that the UK was fiercely behind. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. Imagine if it's Angel Wings now after you said that. Well, I will look like an absolute twat. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else do this one. I did the last one. I'll do it. Jack Snow ninety five asks, "Who do you see at the next wave of headliners?" Hang on, let me start that again. Who do you see at the next wave headliners? It doesn't. I think make he means sense. as. Oh. Who do you mean? Who do you? Oh, I'll do this one as well. <laughs> Fuck it. Who do you see? Can't get this stuff. Who do you see as the next wave of headliners over the next five to ten years of the large European festivals, including Download Hellfest and Wacken? Can so I just say it's hotter than the sun in here? It is really hot in here. It's freezing in London today, but for some reason this room is basically on fire. I've got a cold and I'm hotter than the sun, so that's my excuse. It's fine. Go ahead. It's fine. Um, all right, let's put our money where our mouth is. Who, who could who could actually be headlining big European festivals? Then it's got to like we have to have to start having some breakthroughs soon. So what? They're yeah, because be? I feel like we just keep going round and round and round and round in circles. All right. Well, you mentioned Volby earlier. They could maybe do ones like at home, maybe like Denmark. Oh yeah, I'm sure they they they, they already headline have festivals done, actually, in Europe. Yeah, they? yeah, they already do places like Rasport. Yeah. Uh, we talk about Ghost all the time. Ghost could definitely. I do think it. Ghost. I think Ghost will get a shot at download. Yeah. I, I genuinely do. I think so. Oh, if not Hellfest. Mm. Uh, other big bands. As they should, because they're brilliant. By the way. Other big bands. Um, I guess so. I guess we're looking at we're, people always talk about Parkway Drive. Yeah. You think Parkway Drive could get a shot? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I really want them to like come out with another really good album and it's clear where they're going with their show like it's gotten more and more and more Ramstein-esque and mm-hmm. they're not going to give up on that now they've started it you can't go back you, no. re- you open the door you've got to keep going inside no yeah totally agreed um, you know people talk about architects I would love to see that happen I feel like it's a it's a bit less of a yeah. an obvious run than Ghost and Parkway just because of where all the bands are respectively at I'm really but I would to love to see it happen I'm really curious to see where the next record for them will go as well because they spoke on the last one about not wanting to repeat themselves with um, All Our Gods and um, Help Me Out. Uh, Holy Hell. No, the other one. The other other album. Oh, Lost Forever Lost Together. Yeah, 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 Lost Forever Lost Together. Uh, So, yeah, when they did Holy Hell, they were speaking about um, not repeating what they'd done on the previous two because they felt like they'd sort of gone into the sound which was successful to them, which they're already enjoying. And they wanted to do something slightly different to kind of move things along a bit. I didn't think I thought that record was good, but I didn't think it was like a massive departure. It didn't make you go like, "Whoa, what's happened next?" So mm. I'm kind of curious to see where they take it next. Whether they kind of how much they stick to their kind of modern architects yeah. sound, or if they kind of really go at, do a Parkway or something and go, "We're just going to completely change it." Like, don't know how I feel about that because I actually really like them. Yeah. So, don't are, know. Are we overlooking Five Finger Death Punch unnecessarily? Yeah. Because are, they actually. they do they just do arenas in the UK now. Yeah. They do unbelievable numbers on things like streaming. They are unquestionably the biggest metal band to have broken in the last decade. There's no, like just unquestionably. So why don't them. we talk about them more? But are they just around too much? Or do we take them for granted? Yeah, probably a little bit of that. A little bit of taking them for granted. The fact that they're just... They've never been like anointed, have they? As the kind no, of the chosen ones. They're just consistently good. And they just have a consistent audience. And they just come out and they're just solid metal proposition. They've got Rob Halford on the songs. And 
guests with a bunch of people, haven't they? And mm. yeah, they just kind of come around and do five finger and do it well, and then that's it. I don't think they've ever done anything that's really made people go like, fuck me, what the fuck was that? Like Parkway having like a spinning drum kit or uh, like a band or releasing even just an album. The evolution the in sound, like yeah. pretty much all the bands that have entered this conversation have had a significant shift in chance. Like Bring Me had it, Ghost have had it. Yeah. Um, Parkway have had it, obviously. So maybe we're just kind of, I don't know. Maybe they'll come out with a mad album that just like completely <laughs> takes us all by surprise musically. But they are still growing, like album on album, even though they yeah, obviously really do have a sound, they're still growing. But yeah, I just maybe like the wider world in inverted commas has not taken as much notice because they've not done anything insane. Like that's all I can think because yeah, they definitely would have a shot at it for sure. Yeah, why the hell not? Do we think that Bring Me the Horizons time as being a potential download headliner is kind of gone now? Unless they go back to metal, I think mm-hmm. it's hard to sell that. Not because they're not no, big enough at down, all. But download, they could be. They don't have to be super metal. They're still like a rock band. Yeah. Even if it's, you know. I don't know. It's, I, it's, it's really like interesting because people seem to not really talk about them anymore. Whereas on some paternal, it's like, this is happening. They're going to do download at some point. But now I feel like we might see them at Reading before I we see them I think it's more download. because they've moved sideways, not in terms of popularity, but in terms of the events they're playing. Like we talked about them setting up All Point East, like or create, curating All Points East, like the day they're on and they've you know, done Reading and Leeds. And that seems to be the focus more than the metal festivals. So maybe it's just kind of that shift as... You don't hear people in metal talking about them as much. But yeah, they're obviously still massive and they put on a really amazing show. But yeah, I don't know what what they want or what their direction is. Mm. Not in their minds. So I really love the show they did at the Royal Albert Hall. I thought that was amazing. Did we see like a joint one at Download? Like when, uh, I can't remember if these are the exact bands that did it, but they, I think like Paramore and Queens of the Stone Age joint headlined the day at Reading once. Yeah. Could yeah. we see Ghost and Five Finger Death Punch share or, or Ghost and Parkway, et cetera, et cetera? That could be quite interesting. Yeah, it could be. Download hasn't gone down that road, so. I mean, yeah. we we don't want to make it too download-based, obviously, but obviously that is, for for English people, that is the, the kind of de facto conversation point when you talk about festival headliners. I don't know. I just feel like we keep talking about them, but you just kind of have to wait and see because we can talk about it all we want, but it's not going to change anything. Yeah, and we have to <laughs> wait for it to, you know, we have to give them a bit more time. There's a there's a game plan for these things. So, you know. A game I've plan that we don't know. Absolutely no doubt that when it seems realistically viable for these bands to make the step up, then it will happen. I'd be happy with any of those options, to be fair. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Um, I'm going off to watch uh, Orange Goblin cover Motorhead songs tonight. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm not excited Ooh, because cool. I was meant to go, but I feel too ill and I'm bailing oh, out. No. Yeah. Well, I will tell you all about I'm it. I'm going to go home and watch week. the Gilmore Girls. That's <laughs> metal in its own way, I guess. Sebastian Buck's in it. Who's the most. Me- Is he? Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah, He's in the band. They have a band, yeah. There's loads of references Don't to say metal. That, like it. I know what that there's means. A, oh yeah, the Gilmore Girls have a band. To rock what? And metal I in just it, started loads. watching it on Netflix because it was suggested to me once, and I felt really guilty about it. But actually, it's got a ton of pop culture references in. They yeah, talk. There's like a constant. Yeah, there's like a woman who talks. She's like a rich woman, and she talks about renting a house out to corn and how they what? like how they like kept the front garden nice. And then Sebastian Bach's in it, and mm-hmm. he runs a sandwich shop, and he's also the guitarist of the band. What, what then, band? Lorelai's favorite band is Metallica. 
Yeah, and then also there's they loads of good there's right. loads of good music played on the stereo yeah, as well. And also, they said um, why have we not done an article on this? Really, <laughs> Seriously, really all good, of the band, all, all the metal the references in the Gilmore Girls. Do it now before someone else. All right, all right, all right. And I've been watching it like avidly for the last few weeks. And also, there's a really funny bit. I was watching it yesterday, and somebody said they were staying out. No, they were going out late. And they were going to like find a man. Basically, she like wanted to find someone to sleep with, and her flatmate Rory. She was like, "Where are you going at this hour? What man are you going to find?" Like Spike and Drusilla. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Spike and Drusilla. Yeah, because it was a Buffy reference. What the hell? It was so good. There's so many oh, good and references. Oh, also when like the main character. Oh, the t-shirts that she like. Had the that Jess wears as well. I can't remember what oh, t-shirts yeah, he, he wears. he wears metal t-shirts and he has yeah. to take them off to work in the diner. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell you something? Them. Can I just tell you something? What? So I've just, about halfway through you two describing this, <laughs> I've only just realised that you weren't talking about what I thought was the Golden Girls. <laughs> 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 Which is why I got really fucking confused. I don't know what the Gilmore Girls is at all. I thought you were talking about that thing about the four old ladies who no. hang out. So no, I'm like, they talk about corn in the Golden Girls. Uh, in the, well, what I thought was the Gilmore Girls. They probably named Fuck. the Golden Girls. Like, I had no too, idea. Maybe. I've yeah. never seen it. Though, I got so really excited then. I was like, I didn't. I never knew this. Sebastian Back is in this thing yeah. that, with these old ladies that like all hang out with each other. <laughs> Why is he in it? They talk <laughs> about corn and Drusilla and Buffy. I, I thought it was really, from the 80s. <laughs> I was really surprised when Sebastian Back showed up because I just Fuck. Thought, I felt like a bit like not guilty pleasure. Well, yeah, guilty pleasure about watching it because I was like, this is really sad and i shouldn't be watching it but then um that was really out of the blue i was like what is going on here oh yeah i recognize this show now i'm, ex- I'm googling it i remember family guy took the piss out of it ages ago yeah really really fast talking yeah. it's really <laughs> fast talking yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what the family guy did it was just like them. just like <laughs> and i think they just went <sighs> into like total rubbish i'm so gutted that it wasn't golden girls that's what i've been thinking about this whole time well that, that would really be fun it. Never mind. Anyway, but you should still do that. Do that, that piece I just Yeah, that would be cool. Can you, right. But yeah, please take lots of pictures and tell us what the Motorhead event was like because I really want to go and I've just, I, do, I can't because I'll just... Um, it does sound pretty cool. I'll kill everybody. We'll so. do. But I did, it's, it's some With big re-releases disease. of their 1979 banging albums, um, Overkill and Bomber, which are two fucking great albums. Overkill, uh, sorry, Bomber turns 40 years old this month and it still goes so hard. My goodness me. Anyway, that's all for next week. Uh, we'll be back then. See you later. Actually, I won't be back then because I'm off. I've just realised. Sorry. Are you? Yeah, I'm working from home next week. So is it just me? Dog sitting, aren't I? Just me. So, see if you can Great. get the old Celts in. <laughs> or you just get L talking into a mic. Who knows? Find out next week. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.